to be with all of you this morning. Glad to join with our campuses and I want to welcome them with us today. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries and I'm excited that you are a strategic partner right there in that community with what God is doing through Love and Truth Church as we go together today into the Word of the Lord. Would you grab your Bibles today and go to the book of 1 Timothy and as you're doing that let me say this to you. I began a series last week called How to Be Rich. Uh, kind of an interesting title, kind of an interesting thought uh, to be teaching or preaching at church. Uh, but I'm basing the whole series on a book by Andy Stanley. And I would encourage you to get the book. You can order it off Amazon or wherever you want to order it from. Uh, but it's a great book and it's, it's very helpful for us uh, who are believers. But here's what I know most of you won't. So I'm going to preach it to you. That'd be all right? So we're, we're talking about how to be rich. Last week we began this whole process of looking into Scripture in the book of First Timothy there in the sixth chapter where it talks to us and tells us how to be rich. And we talked last week on the subject that being rich, that we need to be rich in faith, we need to be rich in love. We talked about other aspects of being rich. Today I'm going to kind of drill down though a little bit deeper into this process of how that you and I go about being rich. The, the one thing that I found out is that in our, our minds anyway, none of us think that we're rich. We all think somebody else is rich. We all think that somebody else might, you know, might have touched it, but we're not there. And yet what I told you last week is this, and I want to reiterate it to you. If you have a household income of $37,000 or more a year, you are in the top 4% in the world. Let me, give it, let me break it down even further. If you have a household income of $45,000 or more a year, you are in the top 1% in the world. Now, I knew that would just make people jump up and shout. I mean, you, you were having a bad day, and now I've told you you're rich, and you just want to jump up and say, Honey, I didn't know it, but we are rich. We are more than rich. We make twice that, or some of you three and four times. We are just rich. Isn't that great? And yet, you just kind of looked at me. But I hate to tell you, you may not know it yet, but most of you listening to me today are rich. We're not working towards being rich. We've already got there. It's already happened to us. Now, how do we go about handling this thing that we've been blessed with, is God against riches? Does God hate it when you get money? You know, what, what does the Word of God say? So let's go there to 1 Timothy, the 6th chapter, and let's read what Paul writing to Timothy, what he says about being rich. Look in the 17th verse, and, and here's what he said, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in what? 
God, right? Who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Now, here's, here's what I've found through the years. I, I want to talk about side effects today. How many of you know that anytime a doctor gives you a prescription, uh, that when you go and pick that up at the pharmacy, there's like 728 pages. Okay, I stressed it a little bit. Of side effects. It'll say, you know, here's, here's how you take this medication. Here's what this medication is. And then, there, there, I mean, in little print, it, it just lists all the side. I mean, you wouldn't, I mean, it literally, I don't think we would take anything uh, if we were freaked out about the side effects all the time. And yet what I found is, is that wealth has side effects. It really does have side effects, and we're going to talk about that today, about what, what are the side effects that wealth has. Now, he, here's what I want to tell you today. I, I, again, when, when you begin to talk about this thing about wealth, m most people uh, kind of get real holy, and, and uh, you know, I can't believe the preacher's talking about money, and well, talk to Jesus. He talked about money more than he did heaven and hell combined. So there must be something important. You know why Jesus talked about money so much? Here's why. Where your treasure is, there is your what? Heart also. So Jesus understood the correlation that goes along with it. Now, here's, here's the first side effect. To begin with today, rich people live in denial. Now, denial is not just a river in Egypt. Come on, you got to laugh at my corny stuff, all right? Or I get real offended. All right, uh, it, it, you know, denial, a lot of people are living in denial. It, it's, it's interesting to notice that. No, nobody's rich. Nobody. Now, what's interesting is they, they ask people who made $35,000 a year, what would, it, what would it take for you to feel like you're rich? And you know what they said? 70000 But you ask somebody who's making $70,000 a year, guess what they're going to say? 150000 you get to 150000 you're going to say, well, a million. When you get to a million, you know, on and on. A few years ago, they did research. Money Magazine did a statistical study, and, and they, or they uh, polled their readers, and they said, what would, it, what would make you feel rich? What amount of money is it that you, if you had this as liquid assets, you would say you were rich? And, and the, the interesting thing was is that it came back $5 million. $5 million. Um, I, I, I could handle that. What's wrong with y'all? I, I, I could stand that blessing. Amen? All right? Uh, so what that meant was if you, if you got a million dollars, you're not rich. You got two million, you're not rich. You got three million, you got four million, you got 4.2 million, you're still not rich. But when you hit five million, then you're rich. It's, it's interesting. Rich people live in denial. Tall people admit they're tall. Short people admit, well, we all tell them they're short. Uh, introverts, you know, kind of tell us they're introverts. Extroverts are telling us like we need to know that they tell us. We already got it figured out. Artsy people, well, their lives are a mess. Their cars are a mess. Their houses are a mess. But they're just happy. It doesn't matter. And th they'll share that with you. But rich people, we, don't wanna, we, we won't admit it. Now, here's what's fun is that none of us want to say that we're rich, but we all know somebody who is, right? It's like somebody else. So part of the problem is, is that the reason we don't think we're rich is because we don't know when it happened to us. It's kind of like, what, what is the goalpost? What is the sign that I'm rich? When Sherry and I uh, took our first church in Adamsville a long time ago, 1984, I was making $125 a week. We had a baby, and, she, and Sherry wasn't working. $125 a week. I want to tell you, I was not rich. I was poor. 
I was, I, I couldn't even afford the R on poor. I mean, we were that broke, all right? And, uh, and I tell you what, I don't know when it happened, but somewhere uh, in life we, be, we begin to be blessed. God began to do things. And, and so what, what happened to us is, is that, that as our income grew, we, we never realized. We just kept moving. We kept living. We kept doing things. And, and all of a sudden I, I look up and I listen to what I said this morning about 37000 and 45000 and I go, guess what? I'm rich. I didn't know when it happened. I didn't know it. I, I, I'm not waiting. You know, some people say, well, if I can get 150. No, if you're, again, I think pretty much everybody who's listening to me, everybody who's watching me today, whether you want to admit it or not, you are rich. You are rich. You live in the greatest nation on the face of the earth. You are rich. You are blessed. God's blessings are upon your life. And so we, we need to understand that. We, we don't need to deny it. We need to just say, you know what? I am rich and highly favored. Hey, man, I'm blessed of God. I, I, God has, has done wonderful things in my life. This, the second thing about rich people, though, is that rich people are plagued by discontentment. Rich people plagued by discontentment. Uh, here's something you probably don't know, uh, but the more that a person has, the more they want, right? I mean, we're getting ready to head into the holidays. How many of you know at the holiday time, there will be more food on that table, right? And you'll look at that and say, there's no way we're going to be able to eat all this food. Why do y'all, I say this every year, why do y'all fix so much food, right? And, and we'll go in there and we'll tear into it, you know, for feel like hours and and we'll eat, we'll eat, we'll get up and say, I don't ever want to eat again. <laughs> right? Come on, I don't ever want to eat again. But then we'll go watch a little football or whatever it is we're going to do for a little while. And then two or three hours later, we're back in there picking at stuff. <laughs> I think I have a little bit of this. I didn't get any of that cake while ago. And I, I was too full to eat. And, and why? Because your appetites, the more you give in to appetites, the more you want back. Uh, and, and so the the... the the inference here is this, is that if I give in to my appetites, my appetites are going to grow. The way that I don't have my appetites ruling me is to take authority over them. And, and so we, we have this whole thing of, about uh, upgrades. How, how many of you understand the term upgrade? You, you understand that? Uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but, but rich people do strange stuff. Rich, rich people will take a perfectly good car drive it onto a dealer's lot and leave it there and leave a ton of money to drive off in another car. Rich people. Rich people will look at their kitchen and they'll have perfectly good cabinets, perfectly good countertops, good microwave and a good oven, and they'll tear it all out and put in, guess what, countertops, <laughs> rich people, strange, microwaves and refrigerators, weird stuff. Rich people will go to the mall and they'll get in line. Now, how many of you know rich people hate lines? I mean, they, we always all go to the front. And, and they will stand in line at the Apple store texting all their friends that they're getting ready to get the new iPhone 6 or 6,000, whichever it is, is coming down the pipe. And so we're upgrading. We're, we're constantly upgrading. We, we get obsessed with the newer, the better, the faster, and, and we're always upgrading our stuff. 
Have you ever noticed that you never get satisfied? I mean, I mean, think about, think about how many people you know, uh, in, we'll, we'll think big for a minute, how many stars and, and professional athletes and stuff you know that have gone bankrupt? I mean, I mean, Mike Tyson, how many millions of dollars did Mike Tyson get just beating the stew out of people and biting their ears off? I mean, how, <laughs> right? How, much, how many millions did that guy make and he went bankrupt? I mean, Hammer, MC Hammer, how much money did Hammer, Hammer time, come on. No, 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 right? Ha Some of y'all way too holy for my good. Uh, MC Hammer, like in two years, went through how many millions of dollars and was bankrupt? Why? Because the more you get, the more you want. See, Paul, Paul points to, to a risk here in Scripture. In fact, it's a greater risk, and I, I want to show it to you. Well, watch what he says. He says, command those who are rich. Now, he, he gives that word, command. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be what? Arrogant. Now, think about that. Command those who are in this present world, who are rich in this present world, not to be arrogant. Why did he say that? Here's why. Humility is not usually associated with wealth. Right? I mean, think about it for a minute. I mean, I mean, in... In, in the reality of things, uh, we, we usually think about wealth and we think about entitlement, right? Not humility, entitlement. Yet the Apostle Paul wrote and he said, if you're rich in this world, I, I know you're not, although you are, I know you're not, but you know somebody who needs this message, so take good notes for him, all right? He said, don't be arrogant. With, with what you've got. See, here's the deal. Money has a way of making you feel superior. It really does. My, 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 I mean, if, if you got a little cha-ching in your pocket, or you got enough cards in your pocket to make you feel like you got some cha-ching, you, you just kind of strut around a little bit different, don't you? And, and, and the other thing I found out about money is that money makes people feel like they're smarter than they really are. Let me prove it to you. You ever been in a, in a group where there's one rich person? Now, again, it's not you because you're not rich, but you know somebody who is. Right? And, and this rich person starts talking, and everybody starts agreeing with them just because they're rich. Well, why? Well, if they're rich, they must be smart. They may be dumber than a brick. But because they got some money, we'll, we'll kind of live. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes, yes. You know, uh, and, and so what we think is we think, and, and I, I have to be honest with you, uh, a lot of times we all buy into this that our wealth makes us a little bit superior. So we walk into a store and if they don't wait on us just like that and we got money with them, what's wrong with them? Why aren't they waiting on me? I'm here and, and I got it together. In fact, I will prove to you uh, that, that humility and money don't usually go together because we have a saying in our society, and here's what that saying is, that we compliment people who are rich but who don't act. We'll, we'll say this. He or she is worth a ton of money, but you never know it, right? I mean, how many times have you heard that? Oh, they're worth a lot of money, but you never, what are we saying? Well, they're really humble. That's unusual. We don't, but the apostle Paul said, here, I want to tell you something. Those of you who are rich, now I know that's nobody listening to me, but those of you who are rich, who you make $37,000 or more a year, not any of you, Somebody who's watching on television today. He said, understand, don't be arrogant. 
It, it's it's kind of refreshingly shocking when you meet somebody who is rich, who is wealthy, and who's humble. Why is that? Well, here, here's why. Because money and God always vie for your heart. There's always money versus God. The Bible even says you can't serve God and mammon. You can't serve God and money. You're going to love the one and you're going to hate the other. You, you've got to come to that place where you understand that. And you say, well, pastor, you know, I, I, is it bad to have money? No, we're going to talk about that in a bit. But, but I want you to look. So he says, first of all, don't be arrogant. But look what else he says. He says, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain. Wow. That, that word hope there means to lean on or to trust in. He said, don't put your hope in your money. Don't put your hope in your riches. Don't, don't let your, what you have, your, uh, don't let it be your identity or your security. You know what I find? When you have little, you don't put your hope in it, right? I mean, if, if, if this were your bank book today and we opened it up and, and we saw that your ending of balance was $29.83, that's not $29,000, that's $29.83. You're not hoping in that, right? You're just hoping Jesus will come today. You start praying that prayer, come quickly, Lord Jesus, before they cut my lights off. And, and you don't hold that tight. Somebody say, hey, can, can I borrow a 20? Well, all I got is $29.99, but here, here, go ahead and take it. Yeah, you can have the 20. Why? Because our hope's not in that. But you know what I found? The more we get, the more we get, the more our hope moves. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood in righteousness. But if we're not careful, we start hoping. In fact, the book of Proverbs says this, Proverbs 18, 11, the richest man who ever lived at that point and the wisest man who has ever lived, listen to what he said about finances and about money. He said this, the wealth of the rich is their fortified city. Think about that. You got some money, man, I'm, I'm good, I'm secure, I got it together. It's wonderful. And he goes on to say, they imagine, they fantasize, they got it in their brain, they imagine it a wall too high to scale. Why? Because now they got this money. When you had a paycheck of $125 a week, your hope was in God because you knew if God didn't show up you're gonna starve to death if God didn't show up you couldn't meet your bill if God but all of a sudden you start getting blessed and this is not a down sermon I want you to hear me we're going to get positive but I want you I want this Holy Spirit to speak into your spirit for a minute because what happens to us is if we're not careful is that we find ourselves changing what we hope in and we begin to feel like we've built this wall. 
See, if I were to ask you today, let, let me ask you this question. How much money would you need to secure your future against all imaginable eventualities? I know the answer. I'll get to it in a second. What, what would you have to have? Is the five million enough? Would you have to have ten? What, what is the number? What is it that you would have to have to take care of the rest of your life, to take care of your grandkids, even your great-grandchildren, because the Bible says that, uh, that a godly person leaves uh, an inheritance for their children's children. So how do we go about What is the number? What's that magic number that we've got to have? Let me tell you what you've got to have. Get ready. More than you currently have. I don't care what you've got. Don't, I don't mean to be rude. It doesn't matter how much money you've got. doesn't matter how much you've socked away. doesn't matter how much you've put away. I promise you, if your hope is in what you've got, it becomes shifting sand. Because now we've taken our trust and our hope from a God who is able to provide, and we've put our hope and our trust in what we have. When wealth becomes your hope, listen to me, you feel compelled to hoard it. You begin to build that wall. You begin to create that fortified city. And you say, you know what? I used to be given. You know what? What we found in, in America is this, is that as we have gotten wealthier as a nation, percentage-wise, we give less away than we used to. Our parents and grandparents, percentage-wise, gave away more than we do and were much wealthier than their, their generation was. I knew you were going to shout on this sermon. Let's go back to the Word. It'll make you feel better. Com maybe not. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain but watch what he says. Now we're turning. Now we're going somewhere. But to put their hope in God. To put their hope in God. Here's the implication of that scripture. Is that wealth becomes a substitute for God. If we're not careful. I don't know when it happened. I don't know when we lost. But our hope migrated. And instead of believing God we now begin to believe in what we have. The more money I get, if I'm not careful, the more my trust moves. And the Apostle Paul clearly says, do not let that happen. Don't let that take place in your life. You say, well, Pastor, I don't, I don't hope in money. Well, let me, let me kind of settle it for us today. Let me ask you a question. There's two parts to it. And let me say this. Whichever one creates the greater anxiety in your life, when you think about it, is where your trust is. It's where your hope is. So here we go. You ready? Which of these statements I'm going to make creates the most anxiety when I make them? Number one is there is no God. There's no God. When you die, it's over. You just go back to the dust. You don't see parents and all. It's just so there is no God. Or all your money is gone. Which one in that moment? Now, hopefully, you say, man, there's no God. That's the one. But you know what I'm afraid of? Is that most of us, if 
we look and all of a sudden we went to our bank account tomorrow and all the money was gone and we looked at our retirement a few weeks ago the stock market did this and I just got all all bent out of shape uh, because I think about retirement more than I used to because uh, I'm starting to get to that age and and all of a sudden I said man where in the world did all the money go where and why because if we're not careful boy it's quiet see the more you have the more anxiety that potentially creates did you hear me the more you get the more it, it can create anxiety I, I mean you you have to now start making decisions that you never made I, I mean again when Sherry and I were making a, when I was making hundred twenty five dollars a week we never talked about where we were going on vacation I knew where we were going on vacation. We were going to my in-laws in Illinois, and I was going to sit my backside on a couch and watch television and hope they would keep the kids one night so we could go out to eat. That's it. Now we got to make this end. Where are we going to go this year? And we've got to bring all the family together. How are we going to get them all there? And, I mean, we, we have to make decisions now. And, and if you're not careful, it begins to create all this anxiety. $125 a week, I wasn't worried about retirement. There wasn't any retirement. I was praying, Lord, come quickly. Right? Now you start thinking of those things. And I don't mind telling you. Some of you won't admit it, but I'm rich. So I've never seen a preacher admit it. I'm rich. Why? Because if what I just told you is right, then I'm rich. So I want to learn this lesson of how to live the way God wants me to live. What is it God's speaking to us? God says, put your hope in me. Put your trust in me, not in wealth. Don't look to wealth for your hope. He said, put your hope in God. Would you look at the rest of this verse? Because I think some of us don't get it. Who richly provides us with everything. Read the rest of that passage. For our enjoyment. God doesn't care if you upgrade your car. God doesn't care if you rip out the counters and you put in new counters and new refrigerators and new micro. He doesn't care if you got the iPhone 6 or the iPhone 60. He doesn't care if you, he says, do it, then do it for your enjoyment. But understand, don't put your trust in the stuff that I'm giving you. Put your trust and your hope in me. Can I ask us a question, and, and it's in your notes today. Why put your hope in the provisions when you can put your hope in the provider? Did you hear me? Why trust in the stuff when I can trust and hope in the one who provides and who spoke the worlds into existence and who created everything that has been created. Why not trust and hope and believe in God Almighty? The church through the ages has had confessions of faith that we have made. We've even put creeds together and the church would recite those together and I'm not going to recite one of the historical creeds of the church today, but here's what I want you to do. I want them to bring it up on the screen today. I, I want us to say this together. I want you to confess today what has just come up, which is this. I will not trust in riches, but in him who richly provides. Right? 
Can you say that with me? I will not trust in riches, but in him who richly provides. Come on, let's say it again. I will not trust in riches, but in him who richly provides. Come on, one more time. I will not trust in riches, but in him who richly provides. What would happen? Hear me. What would happen if we really started living that way? If we really day in and day out said, you know what? I'm not going to trust in my stuff. Have stuff. Listen, have it. God said, I'm giving it to you for your enjoyment. God's not a spoiled sport. In fact, John 10, 10, he said, I came to give you life and it more abundantly. We talk about that all the time around here. God wants you blessed. I'll give you another one. I don't think God cares if you're rich. I'll give you another one. I don't care. I think God doesn't care if you're stinking rich. I don't know what level that is. I, I hope every one of you listening to me, every one of you watching, every one of you here today, I hope that you are rich. But I hope you never trust in your riches. But in him who richly provides. Let me wrap it up as I close. Here's, here's what this passage is saying. Is we'll, we'll drill down even more the next couple of weeks. First of all, he says, don't be arrogant. It's because you got some money. Don't be arrogant. Secondly, he says, don't put your hope in wealth. Don't think it's your money that's your hope. Your hope needs to be where? Your hope needs to be in God. He goes on to say, Understand, being rich doesn't make you smart, so just be grateful. Number four, he said, don't lean on your wealth. Lean on the one who gave you your wealth. Why? You ready? That way, you can have peace in your heart as well as money in the bank. Read it to you again as we close. Because I believe it. I, I believe the more I've dug into this, the more I believe it. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put your hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but put your hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. There'll come a day in every one of our lives for a lot of us we'll be with loved ones and friends around a bedside. And in that moment you may be hooked up to everything under the sun. But in that moment you have trust in one thing. You have hope in one thing, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything else in that moment fades away, and you will begin to sing, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. If I'm going to get there one day, why don't I live there every day? That's what God's saying to us.